0: Mysterious Silhouetted Guest Star Log, Stardate 43925.7.
1: Here we go! <laughs>
0: and welcome to Reengage, engage where weekly to you, sometimes bi-weekly or twice in a day, I think we even did once for us, Your meeting place to see and listen to Gen Xers re-engage with the show that made us Star Trek fans in our pre-teens, or in Jimmy's case, his early 30s. (laughs) We are very happy to be here discussing the final episode of Season 4. I couldn't be more excited to be joined by my fellow cultural bridge officers. Let's go around the horn saying hi. We'll start with Greg Tito. How you doing? Hey, Eric. I'm very excited
2: to uh, discuss all of the Klingon politicking that's happening.
0: Oh, oh yes. We are going to have a ball when we get there and get there we shall. Jimmy G, welcome to your show. How are you?
3: What? Hold on. Let me move my teeth in. <laughs> that's I'm doing very well. Thank you, Eric.
0: Oh, you're an inspiration and at your age. Kate Yeager, how's it going?
1: It's going so well. Thank you. I'm pleased to just be here.
0: <laughs> and I'm pleased as punch to have you. Everyone, we are starting with the 26th episode of the fourth season of star trek the next generation it is called redemption it aired june 17th 1991 oh amazing what was going on right about that time greg
2: the redemption song was just no i'm just uh, that's Kate's. Um, <laughs> on june 12th a couple of days before this aired it was the nba finals where the chicago bulls beat the la lakers In game five, uh, for their first of three straight titles that they would win, as well as the six of the 10 of the 90s. Uh, This was the beginning of Michael Jordan's reign as the uh, last dance guy who gets gets angry uh, all the time. That was happening.
0: (laughs) It was his first finals appearance, too. Oh, man, I forgot it took him that long to get to the finals. That's amazing.
2: Right, because yeah, right, it was hyped up so much, such a big deal. Uh, but it he needed the 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 aging teams of the Pistons and the Lakers and the Celtics to uh, uh to retire their folks before he was able to ascend on June seventeenth, the day this aired. South Africa abolished the last of its apartheid laws. Uh, it was. Uh, finally over uh that was i forget My what the name goodness. of the actual law was but it was um uh the, the one that set basically like the caste system uh the way it uh had been for decades and it's finally all swept away and then uh following along some of the other stories that we've been doing here uh, for these updates on june 20th a couple days after this aired the German parliament moved the capital from Bonn in Germany to Berlin, back to Berlin. Uh, So that was, I remember that being talked about a lot just because people were like, well, what if happens if they get back together and they start another world war? Um, But thankfully that hasn't happened yet until, you know, the future uh, eugenics wars that are going to start to happen according to Star Trek lore.
0: (laughs) Well, what a wonderful way to go out with that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Greg Tito, for that uplifting look at the past and a little glimpse into the future. Kate Yeager, around June 17th, 1991, what were we all listening to and watching on the tube?
1: Well, we missed several weeks in between the two episodes, the uh, penultimate episode and this. And so we Ooh. missed some doozies, more than words by extreme. <gasps> oh, wow. Come wow. on now. Stop it. Uh, Rush Rush by Ooh, Paula Abdul. Yes. No with way. Keanu Reeves, right? Yes, with Keanu Reeves in the video, exactly. In the drag
2: racing video, yeah. That's
1: right. Wow. And then this week, one of my me. all-time favorite songs from the era, Unbelievable by EMS.
0: <gasps> my um, God,
1: what a triumvirate of songs. Isn't that amazing? I just thought that we had to bask in all of them.
0: Can I interrupt you with unbelievable and recommend to anyone who hasn't seen it, the duet that EMF did with Tom Jones of that particular song is well worth tracking down. All right, Kate, sorry, please tell me about another mammoth hit.
1: Well, in movies, we missed City Slickers, which is a classic to this day. And this week, the number one movie was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. (laughs) So I'll give you a guess as to what the number one song was going to be the week after Mm -hmm. this week. (laughs)
0: Everything I
1: do. Oh, yes, indeed. I do
0: it for you. Okay, here's the thing. I saw that movie seven times at the movie theater. Because I was working at the Renaissance Festival in Kansas City at that particular time. Wow. And uh, I dug that fucking movie. That's all there is to it. Yeah.
2: My catechism teacher, CCD, uh, played that song. Fuck she it, was a nun. CCD. And she said, just imagine this song as if it was Jesus singing it to you. <gasps>
3: oh. That's creepy. Yeah. Which oh, reminds
1: yeah. me, reminds me that in high school... We had a Christian version of uh, of more than words, um, or no, wholehearted, wholehearted, which was there's a hole in my heart that can only be filled by Jesus. Jesus, (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) you guys went to such
3: different schools than I did man. Rounding out
1: pop culture. (laughs) I Hate Hamlet closes on Broadway after 88 performances.
3: I was in that show.
1: You were.
2: Me too. I was not.
1: Fantastic. Oh, well, not me either. (laughs) But in the video game world, the first Sonic the Hedgehog was published by Sega.
0: All those rings. (laughs) Gotta catch all those rings. I remember this was a impactful couple of weeks here everybody well done
1: indeed indeed
0: okay moving into the world of the episode this of course is redemption part one uh it was directed by cliff bowl and written by ronald d moore our old buddy featuring music by dennis mccarthy jimmy what was happening behind the scenes?
3: Well, just to remind you that this is this in the follow up episode in season five is the culmination of Ronald D. Moore's trilogy, the Klingon trilogy. It started with Sins of the Father and went into a Reunion. Gowron, our big eyed friend Gowron, Robert O'Reilly upgrades. Yes, he upgrades his ship from a bird of prey, the Baruch to the Bortos in this episode, which is a Vorcha-class attack cruiser, because wow. he's got his big boy pants in this episode. And we see uh, the intro into the Klingon cleavage. That's cleavage with a K. And just as Ricardo Montalban uh, supposedly did not, neither did these actresses have chest padding. Yeah, okay. Is the rumor from the set
0: I mean that about Ricardo Montalban, not about them. I don't know about yeah. that, but I, not for a second do I believe that about R- Ricardo
3: Montalban. <laughs> General Molvar, who we meet in this episode, is the first ever non-naval ranking officer from a by a Romulan, and once again we hear the term kilocams, which is the yeah. Klingon unit of measure, uh, which is stronger and more fierce than any other measure in the universe uh but anytime there's a measure off it loses just like water, and that's all there is from the nimichick files
2: thank you jimmy <laughs> that was a nice throwback with the, just the star trek three reference of uh kelly Cumm's, i remember was it was i think it's john larroquette as the uh as the klingon saying that
0: oh yes is it really yeah i think it is yeah holy shit i gotta go back to that All right, so here we are with Redemption. I'll talk about the guest stars of Note when we get there, at least not the repeat ones. Uh, Robert O'Reilly, we have already mentioned as Gowron. Uh, I'll I'll be skipping over his uh, history, but we'll talk about his wonderful performance. Same with Tony Todd as Kern, we'll be concentrating on only three of the like 95 guest stars in this particular episode. (laughs) Uh, So with that, let's get to it. We start with a captain's log where we hear that these Klingons just cannot get anything done without bringing in their favorite Federation mediator, Captain Picard. And as a bonus, he says one of his crew, wink, wink, can write a serious family injustice, now, who do we think he's talking about just when we're about to form the word? Boom! There's Worf practicing with his big Klingon razor curvy stab thing doing a <laughs> solo workout when in comes Captain Chadich. I love that we get right there. He walks in. He says, Worf, you got to go to school. Worf's like, I, I don't want to. Um, Worf is pitching patience. And Picard It's like, that doesn't sound very Klingon. Sounds to me like you're a coward. Do I need to slap you? And he pokes a few of those buttons and Worf is like on board with fucking shit up. He's like, all right. And the Klingons show up claiming escort status, which is not the plan. Worf informs us, but it's our new friend Gowron. So everything's probably fine. It's him and his dreamy eyes. Sorry, I should be more specific. Nightmare death dreamy eyes. (laughs) Uh, I prefer Steve Bishimi eyes. Yeah. Right. Yes, his Steve Buscemi eyes. So he's right there, and there's about to be a Klingon civil civil war, and only Big Captain JLP can stop it. Then we get to the credits. So this is a nice long bit of stuff that's covered in a very short amount of time for this opening. Uh, do we have immediate reactions to it?
3: I loved the terry cloth pajamas that uh, <laughs> Warf fights in. It looks very comfortable. Yeah. Um, I,
0: I think that's got to be why he apologizes when Captain Picard comes in. Like, he, if if he, if he were wearing his uniform doing this, like he wouldn't apologize. Right. It's the you weren't walk. supposed to see this. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm so immodest.
3: Uh, and we also get a little teaser about Alexander too in that that scene because he asks how Alexander's doing on Earth, and there's a little talk about he's not doing that well, which leads Picard into talking about uh, how he was raised, right?
1: That's later, but
3: that that's what happens. I meant. Let me finish later on. <laughs> later on, we get a different scene where we learn more about Alexander. It's coming. I'm sitting here. I'm sitting say. here
0: at, at midnight thirty, going, "Okay, we can skip to there if we're all <laughs> ready." To go there. Let's wrap right. it up, buddy. No worries. We're the guy in the scene already. Uh,
2: but yeah, no, I love the opening shots that you were mentioning of the stabby thing there. Uh, yeah, Eric, right. It's just a really good. I don't know, just opening framing and then you have him tilt up the the prop oh. so that it's reflecting the red light um, so that you know that it's going to be a Klingon based episode when you have red lights in, in every single part of uh, Worf's quarters there. You're like, OK, it's it's red is the theme.
0: <laughs> it is. It, it makes you think really red. Um, <laughs> <laughs> get it? It's communism. Get it? It, it, woo, <laughs> make it a habit when i get the chance to watch this on netflix because i'm in i'm in europe most of the time i have to watch it on netflix because it's a different thing here uh rather than paramount plus mm-hmm. Plus. and i always watch anything that involves any kind of like fight or stylized movement at that 1.5 speed that you can get because then it looks really good <laughs> I'm consistently amazed at how slow they make everything go in this. Uh, And it completely works. And part of the reason it works is the music is so good, but um, it cracks me up every time they do any of the combat stuff. It is so slow. Uh, And I'm like, I guess you have to justify it with the performance. And he does a great job of, of, well, the Klingons do their katas very slow. All right, fine.
2: Yeah. It's like a, it's like a yoga thing he's doing here, right?
0: Yeah. Um, (laughs) A very slowly violent thing.
2: Picard's whole stuff here. I want to just note it because it seems like he's super inconsistent in this episode with regards to Worf. And I'm trying to figure out if that's just writing like they didn't know really where his whole, you know, philosophy really lie or not, or if he's just having a moment of crisis and doesn't know he was trying to Be both the good friend slash, you know, commanding officer for Worf versus the Federation captain that he is. Like, it feels like he's in a bad, weird situation, too. But he seems to be like, yeah, no, you need to you need to fix
0: what happened last season. Yeah. By and like by any means necessary. I I agree. He, He really feels like whatever the plot needs him to be in a given scene. And it it's a little jarring because he's the big cheerleader here, and then we'll see in a couple of scenes he immediately pulls back and was like, "Well, no," yeah. <laughs> right. and it's 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 jarring, like you say. Um, but we find out we find out soon here from uh, Gowron that Duras's family, now that Duras is gone, is making a push in his absence and in his name. Their corruption is eroding all the old norms, and Duras's sister. Uh, sisters and star guest stars lursa and Beitor, hell yes the sexiest villains east of the borg queen and Khan. lursa was barbara march star of the stratford festival where she played lady macbeth as well as a dozen other iconic roles the guthrie broadway etc she unfortunately passed away a few years ago of cancer what a per- terrific performance here as lursa and Bator is Gwyneth Walsh, another Canadian actress with a ton of success there before starting to split time in Hollywood with this L.A. Law, Alien Nation, It's Gary Shandling's Show, The Commish, Murder, She Wrote, Melrose Place, and more, with recent stints on Man in the High Castle and Virgin River. The Jurass sisters, Lursa and Bator, have secured the loyalty of fleet commanders. As Arbiter, Picard has authority, says Gowron. Picard says, nah, I'll do what I want. This is one of the first things that it's, it's like, he doesn't need to ask anybody. He just knows immediately what his response is. And I'm like, this is pretty heady stuff. Like you don't want to consult with anybody as to what you should or shouldn't do as a de facto representative of the Federation. Did that bother anybody else? Oh, totally. Where I was like,
2: he doesn't communicate with Starfleet Command once in this episode that we know of and you're like that seems important i mean i'm not i I don't know how starfleet works but in our world if a captain was you know making these types of level of of uh, decisions we'd have uh you know a crimson tide situation happening
0: well i like a good crimson tide situation though
2: i do too but that's not what's happening
0: (laughs) so picard tells data (laughs) Picard kicks Galron back to his own ship and immediately tells Data to monitor the neutral zone for Romulan activities. Riker's like, hey, you think the Romulans are behind the Klingon unrest? And Picard's like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that won't come back. We won't find out any of that stuff. Galron is on his way back to his ship and Worf sends the uh, transporter officer away. And you're immediately like, oh shit.
3: He's gonna going to kill down, that but... motherfucker. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> right?
0: All right. So uh, he says, I would speak with you. And he says, I do not. What is it? I do not. He says it better than me, but I do not speak with traitors. He says something like, I do not hear the words of traitors. or it, it's It's something better than I'm coming up with right now. <laughs> But Worf tells him the whole story about the discommodation and how the council knew it was Duras' family who were the traitors at Kittimer. And he asks Gowron to restore the family name. He says, I can't do it, dude. I owe you for off and Duras, but no. Live with your choices like a Klingon man. A Klingon man. A man. A, a man. <laughs> yes, a Klingman. Yeah, Kate.
1: I love how uh theatrically staged this scene is. It's tight quarters and it could just be up on the deck and down, but they have Gawron make a decidedly dramatic cross that could be overwhelming but it works in this scene and gives, you know, sort of heightens the sense of being trapped in that small room together because he's making a dramatic cross and yet he can't get very far away, which is interesting. (laughs) I just enjoyed the way that this was shot.
0: Me too. I feel like Gowron is another example of what I was talking about earlier with the slowness. Like he chooses to be such a contrast to every other Klingon we've ever met and he continues to do that and it continues to work and I just love it. He is angrier than any of them and quieter than any of them. And it's lovely. I love that. He seems to really
2: have been leaned into acting with his eyes forward. Like, you know, especially when he's like questioning Worf here. he just, his eyes are the thing that is, is pressing him and being like, wait, the council knew you have proof of this. And it's, it's all like, you know, I'm laser beaming, uh, you know, Worf here with my eyes and it's dramatic and it works. It feels like, it's uh and then uh, you know and then the content of this scene as far as um it you know taking of what he was saying earlier about the klingon council ignoring honor and o- ignoring the things that make them Klingon all for the sake of this family it, you know it, it started to really uh, percolate in my brain about like the the way our uh, congress now is talking about like the norms and how like you know, that, those are all being swept away and there's just anger and, and, and vitriol between the two groups. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's, it's very similar here where it's just like, oh, here's something that makes no sense. It's not even Klingon, but because they have this backing of the, the Duras sisters and the Duras family, it's everything that was made to Klingon is falling apart. And so he's he's railing against that and trying to be like, I'm I'm the only honorable person here.
0: Well, and, you know, just like now, most of the corruption is uh, bald and easy to spot on one side uh, with the Rosses, uh, rather than the other side. Although I, you know, I hesitate to want to throw my lot in with Calron, but, you know, we get what we get. We make the warp The Warp does.
2: He's just like, you're great. I love you, man. Yeah,
0: he's right. He's in, but first he has to go shoot some shit. That's the thing. Has to go shoot stuff. And uh, Guinan beat him to it. So the question here is telepathy or just really knows this dude and has been like waiting there for three hours.
1: I didn't think she beat him. I no, thought she walks in and he's
0: in there. Oh, she does. Okay. I thought Let she was there. Let me finish. I meant, Jimmy, Jimmy, tell them what I meant.
3: I meant he was there shooting up and then she just waltzes <laughs> in. Like, nobody already reserved the space. (laughs) (laughs) The Eradicator. I'm supposed to be fighting the Eradicator here.
0: And uh, she came in because she likes to, you know, make sure she's still got a good eye every once in a while. She likes to keep the quick twitch muscles going. What level Um, do you think she's normally shooting targets at? Well, I mean, at least a 15.
1: (laughs) I wish she would have brought
3: her... uh, Big space bar gun that she used a couple episodes ago when oh, yeah. uh, O'Brien got in a big fight in the bar. Yeah, it would have been bad. I
0: I do want her to have that like under her gown. <laughs> 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 yes. Um, Greg just did the uh, Jack Nicholson pulling <laughs> the uh, gun out of his pants from the 1989
3: <laughs> Batman. Uh, that is exactly. Uh, and it, it, the image I it had in my mind. Ruled.
0: Head. It ruled. So she says uh, she can move down to his level at 14 for a while and uh, boomed him right there to his face. Then she says in another boom, I had a bet I could make you laugh before the next time you're promoted. And she says, you know, she's seen him laugh. She likes it. He says, Klingons do not laugh. She says, yep, they do. You don't. And they get into this complex, deep, funny talk about Klingon identity as race, as cultural identity, behaviors, masks versus honesty, and it's deep stuff on the shooting range. And I love it. What'd y'all think of this scene?
1: Anytime she's there, I'm just, it's it's such a treat. And this scene, you know, the way she weaves in and eventually weaves in sort of a, hey, how is Alexander? Like, you know, maybe one day he might want to connect with his clean. Like, it just is like, it's masterful the way not only the way they write her, but the way she navigates that as an actor.
0: And she really kind of waits to bring him up specifically until after she's kicked his ass. Yes. So like it's, it's neat that, that she knows that she has his attention at this moment and brings up the important stuff. I agree. Like it's, it's so wonderfully structured. It
3: adds to the mystique of Guinan that just block by block is building up this superhero that you know like she probably could fuck up q (laughs) yeah (laughs) with
2: her uh, with her claw hands yeah so
3: they talk for
0: a sec like kate says about how tough it is uh being klingon surrounded by humans and she says sooner or later alexander will have to learn to be klingon dot 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 just like you're doing right now and then she drops her uh, phaser on the ground and walks out. <laughs> <Boom>. <laughs> and fucking Worf walks right to Captain's office and goes, I gotta go. And Captain goes, okay. And Worf goes, thanks. Uh, and then like says, King Koopa and good luck. Um, <laughs> and that was it. Can I make fun of Klingon? I can make fun of Klingon, Kapah! right? <laughs> yeah. King uh, Koopa. <laughs> Um, I love that also that <laughs>
2: someone made a note being like, well, we don't know what he's actually saying. Can you just translate it for us? Oh, Jesus. Say it <laughs> one more time in English. And you can tell Patrick Stewart did not want to do it. He's like, good luck. Right. <laughs>
0: yeah, fucking notes. <laughs> hey, feed, the, feed the WGA. Feed him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So uh, Worf goes off to find Kern. Worf says he talked to Garron, and Kern's like, no, Gowron stands alone. He's like, either the Duras sisters uh, or I will kill him. And he's like, well, why would you do it? Well, to keep the Duras sisters from taking over. If they don't kill him, they'll puppet him and beat him, and then they'll have power. And so he says it's time to burn it all the fuck down, and he has four squadron commanders and wants Worf to join him. And Worf's like, no. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're joining me because I am the Eld. I'm the Eld one. You will follow me. And uh, I think we support Gowron, and then Gowron will fix the family. What do you think of this plan?
3: I hated the pause, but I love the plan. All right. All right. And the pause wasn't poorly acted, but you always know what the answer is going to be when the other character (laughs) takes that long to respond to your request. Correct. But I thought the the reasoning behind it was um, very Machiavellian, you know, like we'll wait until he says until he has yeah. the hands at his throat and then we'll offer him the help that he needs and he won't be able to refuse what we need. I like, I don't know if that all adds up, but it sounds fierce and <laughs> kind of cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, it sounds like not only will we get our honor back, but he'll know that we could have crushed him if we wanted to. Yeah. And that's, you know, I respect that. Well done, Worf.
2: I think I think Kern gets like a bad turn in this scene because he's such a, a great character and uh, Tony Todd plays him so, you know, such a magnetic personality. But he just rolls over so easily here. He's just like, yeah, okay, you're my older brother. I guess your plan is what we have to do. And he's doing all the work. He's doing all the, all the diplomatic work of trying to get these other yeah. squadrons. They don't know Worf. They don't fucking care about Worf at all. Or, or you know, the whole family, and uh, yeah, I just it just feels like I, I wish there was a little bit more agency for for Kern in this episode.
0: And they could have done it pretty easily, even with just a call back to earlier times when Kern would poke Worf on purpose to get the fire out of him, yeah. And to see Worf taking over as the older brother could excite Kern, do you mm-hmm. know? Rather than have him go off doubting. He, he could be what he was earlier, which is someone who craves an older brother to follow. Do you know? And, and that's what's always been so fun about their relationship is there doesn't seem to be a rivalry. Like Kern never wants to lead the family. He was desperate for Worf to lead the family. Yeah. And that's a super neat dynamic as far as I'm concerned. And I agree they had a chance to go further with that here. We, we end up now with Picard before the council. He just goes ahead and confirms Gowron as leader of the council. And right before Picard brings forth Gowron and they're about to crown him and a tiny little Klingon tenor strides in.
3: Oh, he's so little.
0: He's so tiny and cute. There's
3: no way he's Klingon. (laughs) He is Toral,
0: (laughs) son of Duras. What do you mean he's not Klingon?
3: Well, he is. He's wearing makeup? He was so little, and then when we see the Romulans, like I didn't remember this episode. I was like, oh, he's a, he's some kind of genetic clone or something the Romulans did. <laughs> it's like this guy is not like he had been bullied his whole life. <laughs> he is the smallest, most diminutive Klingon ever.
0: He's got that angry little man thing. Yes, going. It's fun. yes everything about him is five foot six. <laughs> <laughs> And here's the thing right on his heels come the lovely Lursa and Beitor. And they command the, the screen every yeah. moment they come in. Tell me your reactions to the lovely Lursa and Beitor.
1: All six of them command the screen, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yes, they do. My goodness. I am someone <laughs> uh, who has bosoms and enjoys uh, a décolletage myself. Uh, sure. But those are gravity-defying <laughs> outfits uh, and and leave very little to the imagination. But w- well, well done, ladies. And I, I mean that to all of them. Uh, w- well done.
0: Agreed.
3: <laughs> and people at Star Trek conventions ever since have been very thankful as well.
1: Oh, sure.
0: Well, it turns out... Dearest had a son. Gowron says, your mother was a lady of the evening, if you know what I mean. And Toral says, I will personally cut your tongue out. And then Gowron whispers, impudent wretch. And I'm all, fuck yes. This is everything I want is a tiny little man screaming at an angry serial killer and (sighs) them just going toe to toe. It's all I want. (laughs) It was wonderful. I'm a fuck yes on this scene. The scene ends with everybody taking the personal responsibility for the end of the empire as like a hot potato and they all throw it to Captain Picard. And he says, yes, certainly. Of course, it should fall to me. <laughs> no problem. And he's got the the... the-
2: the jacket of power uh, yes, in his right. hands. He was about to give it. And it's like, oh, wait, no, this jacket, we got to... And it looks heavy, head. right? Like, he's just it <laughs> just does. It up. Just like it's
0: arms. at least 80% metal. <laughs> I mean, so, so much of the rest of it is feathers, but like, I mean, it's still, <laughs> that's a lot of metal.
2: And then the whole High Council is just like... <laughs> yeah.
3: And everybody slowly goes past. And why is the leader of the High Council always rotund? Do you think that's a, a prerequisite for the High Council? Because the guy who was like sort of leading up through was another roly-poly guy.
0: Yeah. I believe it is a political choice among the several non-conscious uh, factors in casting, production, writing, and costume design. Um, and uh, uh, that results in many uh, actors of uh, certain size like myself and others of my friends uh, getting cast in the same types of roles over and over and over and over and over and over and over and
2: over. And over. He's clearly not a threat, right? That's that's the, that's the thing. It's like, oh, he's not. He can't be. He's not a warrior. He's they're the interim also implying leader.
0: laziness, and they're implying rich. They're they're implying a lot of things over several hundred years of uh, stereotyping for the stage and screen. But that's that's my opinion as to why he's a rotund man, cling man. Yes, but he is a good cling man. <laughs> Hot potato. The kid in the next scene says, let's kill him. Let's just kill him. And uh, his moms say, no. Smack Smack him down a little. Slap him. I love it. That goes a long way to make him look tough. Oh, it's so good. He's
1: got a really hittable face, though.
0: (laughs) Oh, extraordinarily. Punchable. And then we get a, uh, a Romulan in the room. And he turns around and, oh, my God, it's J.D. Cullum, noted L.A. stage actor and voice artist, member of the M.T.A.S. company, which which does great work, and uh, the son of the legendary John Cullum. But wait, this boss has a boss, and it looks like that same silhouetted badass Romulady we saw earlier. And guess who it is? They say, we will deal with the Federation and Captain Picard. We can't do it yet. we get another scene later and we'll find out. Kern says we can control seven sectors. The enemies have more, but most have not decided. All right, so where do we fall on how this is going to play out at this point? Did you all think it was going to still go to war? Do you Did you remember that? Or did you think it would get fixed by the end of the episode? I had forgotten it was the last episode of the season, so to me... I didn't think war was inevitable with the cliffhanger.
3: Yeah, I, I had forgotten it was a cliffhanger, so I knew it was the last yeah. episode of the season. I think I was expecting it to uh, come to uh, get some resolution.
0: Yeah, same. Um,
2: I think the math doesn't really Warf? work out, though. Okay. That's what's tough, where it's like, you only got three captains or you know th- squadron. They don't really tell you what's the squadron, but most of the fleet is with Duras and, and the Duras sisters. The only thing I wish that we learned a little bit more was why. Like, is it? It's kind of implied the fact that they have been bristling under the uh, terms of the alliance with the Federation, and they want to, you know, reclaim the glory of the Klingons. But it's never actually stated as to why these ship captains or the rest of the fleet kind of wants to back this little kid.
0: Well, I think it's also because Duras wasn't dishonored you know they they don't know mm. uh that about him so he's a martyr and this kid's coming up and all this shit, and and the corruption you know they say a little bit later that that level of corruption is attractive to you know people in power uh, yeah and, and i think we see that now you know totally. there are a lot of people who see that that level of just blatant ridiculous lies and go, oh, they can get away with that. They're my guys, mm. you know. Uh, and it's really fascinating to watch in real time and to see play out in situations like this. Oh my
2: gosh, did my politics come out? It's like the sunk fallacy, uh, you know, sunk cost fallacy thing happening here. We're like, well, we're already in, so we gotta, you know, go all the way.
0: Kind of, yeah. But it's many fallacies in one. That's the <laughs> that's the joy and bonus of it. Um, so Worf is talking with Data, trying to get. All of the Federation Kittimer info, which seems reasonable to me, uh, but he can't get it all because it's not all there. And then Picard says, well, no, actually, you can't get any of it. You can't use the Federation stuff to prove your dad wasn't a terrorist like I told you to go do and prove. <laughs> <Right>?
1: um, <laughs> That's my point.
0: Like, like I opened the episode telling you to do this thing that I won't allow you to do.
2: And even Worf is like, what are you doing tying my hands now? buddy like yeah seriously what do you like what did you expect how is i gonna fight this without the proof that we discovered
3: you know <laughs> right? 20 episodes ago did you mean kill everybody
0: yeah it's absolutely fucking nuts <laughs> <laughs> captain like, what
3: were my options
0: but then at the same
2: point picard has the same he's like what am i lecturing you for where i don't want to i'm in a pickle about whether or not i should back this this kid or not because i
0: personally don't
2: want the alliance with the federation to fall apart with with him too so
0: i get that he's that that rings so hollow to me it did it it reeks of kind of wanting it both ways and you feel bad for picard because he didn't write it but you're like (laughs) it it (laughs) it just really sucks that this would be the time that he sticks up for the rules and the prime directive, and he does it again to Worf later, and both times, like Worf can look at him and go, "You want me to name all the fucking times you did this for people you don't know, that and for empires that aren't affiliated with the Federation? Like you want me to name them off? I have one for each fucking hand, you fucking dick. <laughs> like to say it to Worf in particular is so funny. It is."
3: well he does change he does uh, persuade Picard to relent on that
0: eventually
3: well it's at the end of the episode or the scene right because as he's leaving he says I will make those available to anybody the evidence the evidence will be Um,
2: out there I'm not going to just hand it to you okay which is the same thing as saying you can you can have it let me
3: finish
1: (laughs)
0: So Picard is called by the Duras sisters and we get a chance to see that lovely Klingon city art. I love it every time. Oh, me too. It's all I want to do is fly through it.
2: It's used really well too. And like showing different locations. I think it's the same matte painting, but they do
0: the focus
3: in on focus on different theme.
0: areas. Yeah. And have those really little cool. moving lights. It's very, it's very well done.
3: How different would this scene have gone if Riker was invited? To the Duras <laughs> <sisters>? <laughs>
0: Well, judging by they knew Earl Grey tea, you know they'd have learned something on the harp.
1: There is a moment where one of the sisters paws at Picard's bald oh, little head and God. his reaction is either he is one of the most genius actors that's ever lived or that was completely unexpected because his <laughs> reaction is this moment of dear god is this happening (laughs) like
0: (laughs) oh i did not look at him for even a part of that because i'm so in love with Beitor that i wrote down when Beitor put her fingernails all on the cap's head i was forever in love (laughs) i'm like i yeah just i i will I will kneel at your feet and fill your wine glass or whatever the fuck it is she does for him. You betcha lady. My favorite bit of the scene is where
2: she's standing uh, beside him and he's sitting in the, in the nice chair. Um, and she says something and he turns and looks directly at her boob window. And then it's Oh, uh, oh uh, yeah. Look, uh.
0: Oh, it's amazing. They put on the hard sell uh, don't judge us by our brother. We don't wish to be your enemies. And Beitor says, quite the opposite. <laughs> because she's only in one mode. Picard tells the sisters that he knows their plan. Either way, I go, you think you win. They say they want to keep the alliance, so why be our enemy when you can be our friend? And he ends it in the perfect way. He says, oh, you're as clever as a Romulan. Oh, oh Wink, wink. Wink, wink. He says, like, I'll let you know tomorrow excellent tea
3: unlike you i can see the shadows (laughs) it's
0: so good fuck yeah boss yeah it was good it was baller
2: they were scared i like that they had like the wide-eyed uh
0: you know gowron look. uh the two of them (laughs) uh we go right to the council picard tells them the son shall share the honors and crimes of the father sure he's the kid but he hasn't done shit so he ain't the leader Dhras' leadership claim, and this is key, died with him. Oh, it's official now the Federation said so. The council agrees. Toril says, follow me, and I will get you honor. The council says, follow him, and you reject all Klingon law. And then more than half of the people in the room
3: say, <laughs> it didn't fuck look yeah, like that anybody. sounds like it's me. <laughs> like, right. I, know, I know somebody must have stayed, but I, it looked like the stage was bare. <laughs> After they all got in in line behind the kid, the entire council
2: seemed to be like, except for the
3: rotund guy. Except for the rotund guy. Except for the rotund guy.
2: Yeah. And it's very And the future scenes, it's very quiet and empty in there. There's like nobody. It's just them doing ceremony for each other at this point.
0: Well, because their blood is painting the way to the future. Uh, which is what Gawron says right here at the end, which is, is a pretty baller. Like, I'm not choosing to be on the side of the Goofy Sisters over the guy who can look through your soul. I'm, I'm going to stay on the look through your soul guy's good side myself. So Worf and Gowron meet. Worf offers his four squadrons. He outs Kern as his brother, and he's like, you know my price. And the guy goes, we need Federation help picard listens to you and he's like and this is key you can't have it both ways do you have these human excuses or are you a klingon revolutionary he implies that he's a coward and right as worse about to react the it's not a warbird jimmy what is it
3: it's the battle cruiser
0: the battle cruiser is ambushed shields up warp drive damaged Worf jumps into action as the attack continues. The shields are failing. Life support fails. A, discre- a distress call. The fucking Klingons did the distress call. It's over. Riker wants to help Gowron. Picard orders the ship away because once again, this is the hill he's going to let Worf die on. Right.
2: Right.
3: Is right. how I parent. <laughs> That's how <Yes>. you parent. <laughs> <laughs> watch anything you want stop watching that youtube <laughs> <laughs> okay that's valid <laughs> ridiculous
2: and everybody on the on the bridge is like what are you doing
0: picard you're gonna do a slow yep. walk up to your chair he's even like but wharf he's like yeah, yeah. i know mm, impulse power Worf has a plan though and he's like hey you dummy don't put up the shields Don't arm the torpedoes. They'll be able to tell we've armed the torpedoes. Don't do it. So when the shields drop so they can board, we arm the torpedoes. We fire only at one. And then we wait for that one to explode before we fire at the other because we're dumb. And the other one has their shields up in time. Funny enough, after the first one got blown up, they put up the shields.
3: Well, and why not cloak? And
0: run away. Yeah, and regroup. They never thought to cloak. I don't know, Jimmy. I wish I did. I wish I knew.
3: <laughs> we'll never know.
0: These are the answers that will keep me up at night.
1: Because otherwise we don't get the super fucking sexy shot of Kern coming in to save the day. Like, yes. He, yes. he is always very attractive to me. Always has been. But this scene in particular, I was like, hello.
3: And I have to <laughs> do my joke
0: here. I yeah. said all appears lost, but here comes the Millennium Falkern. <laughs>
3: ah. <All right. laughs>
0: I was proud of that one so I had to say it um, thank you for giving me that opening Kate so Kern comes in, saves the day plans are made to regroup and the Enterprise, Gowron says is welcome to attend the inst- his installation as leader so we pick up that beautiful succession gown and we place it atop Gowron and Worf comes forward and gets the moment we've been waiting seasons to get Fuck yeah, Worf and Kern get their family's honor restored. Let your name be spoke once again. You are Worf, son of Moog.
3: And I'm like tearing right, the fuck up. Squadron leaders all over the sectors are like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Kern is son of Mog. What? <laughs> Scandal. That's
0: crazy, dude. Everybody's switching sides. <laughs> The war is not yet won, it looks like. Galron requests aid through the alliance with the Federation. Picard and Riker say, whoa, 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 whoa. Just because you're the legal leader of the thing that we have the most secure alliance with of any other group doesn't mean we're going to come help you. (laughs) <laughs> and Worf's like, come on That's not
3: how alliances work, dude <laughs> yeah. 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 Picard
0: again goes right to the prime directive Which again has to <laughs> suck for Worf Because he fucking knows Gowron gives great face at Picard And then just turns to walk away And Picard's like, Mr. Worf, you're called back to duty And he says, well, I'd like a leave of absence, please He says, no, I order you back And Gowron gives a little face, and there's no hesitation from Worf. He just says, well, then I resign my commission as a Starfleet officer. And there's that great clatter of badge on desk. Yeah. Holy fuck. That was dope. Yes.
2: Weren't expecting that, were you, Cap? And the look on Riker and Picard's
3: face. Right. Pick that shit, Captain. (laughs) I'm trying
0: to think back to how invested I would have been in, in this at the time and how shocking that would have been to me, but I couldn't come up with it.
2: It's big. I don't think we've ever seen that in a, in a Star Trek ever where, uh, you know, maybe, maybe Kirk stealing the ship, uh, speaking of Star Trek three, but (laughs) right. It's about that level of, of impudence by a low level, uh, you know, relatively low level officer.
0: Because it. it's in the 90s, I expected it to be followed by Worf like putting his phaser down, and then a tricorder, and then a bigger phaser, <laughs> <and then his laughs> smiley razor thing, and then a grenade, and you know, eventually a, uh, a torpedo, and then he walks out. <laughs>
2: But he's got a uh, Klingon uniform ready to go. Like he just hanging yeah. it up. And right. Boom!
0: Right to the Klingon uniform. It's perfect.
3: Which maybe I was like, does he just keep that in there? And like when no, like he comes in, he's like, I'm gonna put it on. Just Shit. walks around, like, <laughs> looking at himself. Like I'm fierce. <laughs> I'm a warrior. Anyone anybody ever walks in? I'm like, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't come in.
0: And then there's that fantastic um, doorbell noise. Uh, that we get every time somebody rings the Enterprise doorbell. I love it and never get sick of it. Do. Um, Yep, something like that. That's very close. I like it. I'll never get sick of that one either. <laughs> Worf, it turns out, will be weapons officer on Gowron's ship. He says he's been raised by humans, spent his life with them, but he was born Klingon. My heart is there. And Captain's like, all right, I'll have your stuff sent over. And then I become a puddle as Captain Picard leads Worf onto out towards the amazing. transporter room and says, "What?" says, "Attention on deck." I don't
3: remember what he says, but the walk through all the people was amazing. Like mm. the, all the people there, Ugh. even Worf was about to cry.
0: Everybody was there.
1: Well, and this I did go back to past me a little bit, remembering that this felt like it, right? Like that. Like goodbye, Worf. You know, we'd already lost, we already knew that they were capable of firing actors or losing actors that we cared about. We'd lost Beverly, we'd lost Tasha, we'd mm-hmm. lost Pulaski. Uh, <laughs> but this <laughs> That's very kind. feels, the, the way they honor it feels very final.
3: It
0: mm-hmm. feels like Spock, even, yes, yeah,
3: exactly like Spock, right
0: and and yeah, I was as a puddle.
3: it didn't just seem like it had run through the the ringer or it was a rehash. It was genuine and fresh and it very powerful for me. Uh, and I had forgotten about it. so when he said, at attention or whatever, oh like, holy shit, just to be recognized that way, it was like uh, it was just very, very lovely moment.
0: And then he says his goodbyes in Klingon and English. And it is engaged. And in my head, I'm like, don't you dare say a fucking word. Don't you dare say a fucking word. Just fade to black, fade to black. And he goes, dismissed. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a pretty good word. Like it completely worked. And I still was like, don't you ruin this with any other fucking dialogue. And they didn't. And I was happy. The other characters, the bridge crew
2: characters. The only uh, criticism I might have is that we saw all these central casting ensigns that I, nobody knows so there was like a little uh i wish there was a little bit more uh honor guard in the beginning of the walk here we get them all at the end um but they don't say anything they don't even say they don't say goodbye or anything which i don't i, I guess it yeah. probably would have been treacly and, and and weird if they did but at the same time uh beverly crusher troy geordie laforge don't have any lines in this episode They're just on screen for this one But they
1: still got paid. They still got paid. They were in the shop. They still got paid.
3: (laughs) My favorite song. (laughs) Love, love, love.
0: And then we have our epilogue scene, which I had already forgotten was coming. I knew it was coming. And the way they ended that scene before, I'm like, that's the end. And this scene ruined our whole generation for post-credit sequence reveals. <laughs> <laughs> this was the this was the first one we saw in like real fucking time, right? Yeah. It's incredible. So Toral's just being a shitty child, interrupted by the silhouette. Oh, remember the
3: silhouette?
0: And she steps forward and becomes Tasha, saying humans have a way of showing up when you least expect them.
3: What? 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 Like me right now? And the haircut? What? It's terrible. <laughs> no, it's
0: wonderful. But like,
2: the Widow's whole planet peeking. does
3: the same bad haircut.
0: <laughs> it's wonderfully Spock like. That's how we know she's Romulan. Oh, you guys.
3: So I'm good. just,
0: I'm, oh, that's the end of the episode. That's the end of the episode. Ah, that's the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> so. Before we rate the whole thing, like, what the fuck? What was your reaction?
3: My immediate reaction last night was like, I'm glad I don't have to wait a summer. I can watch (laughs) this shit right now.
1: Right? Right. (laughs) Totally. No, that one, two punch of thinking that this is it, right? Like this is the end of the episode. They're saying goodbye to Worf. This has all been leading to this. And then there's this punch of there she is followed by to be continued. It's just so cruel and kind at the same time. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's delicious and horrifying. Yes. It's well done.
0: Oh, lovely put. I mean, it's time to uh, score the episode, I think. Shall we begin with uh, young Jimmy G?
3: Uh, yeah, I'm going to give this nine and let me finish. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fantastic episode. There's really nothing about it that I think they should redo. And the only reason I don't give it 10 is... Uh, the one thing that i didn't like was the to be continued i understand exactly why they did it because the end of season three uh best of both worlds part one was phenomenal and it was this huge bang and sort of catapulted tng into the next level uh and then that's why i didn't like this is like oh you're just falling into this trap of thinking you have to do the same things now um but was still amazing and it <laughs> accomplished what they wanted to do. <laughs> so it gets one little drop, just because you know, make this the last two episodes and don't you know go out with a big bang instead of a part two. But it's a small squabble. I mean, it's a t- it's a tiny, if it's a small squabble. It's a small It was. Uh, it's a fun episode. Getting to see Worf uh, as much as possible is amazing. Building on Guinan's mystique is amazing. Um, It's just a fun episode, and you absolutely have to watch this, not only for your understanding of Star Trek The Next Generation, but you need to watch it to understand what happens with the character Worf in Deep Space Nine. So it has implications that span the Trekverse, and it makes it a very important uh, couple of episodes in that universe.
0: Oh, I love it. And don't forget that we also get the Duras sisters back in generations. All right. Right. And do space nine as well. All right. Uh, Greg Tito, what were your thoughts on this? Jimmy gave it a nine.
2: I, I like this episode too. I am going to give it eight and a half bloody handshakes because it's fantastic. (laughs) It really does nail so much of uh, what is interesting about, you know, the political sci-fi kind of Genre, like we've seen um, a couple of times, investigated on on Star Trek in in. Uh, episodes that are self-contained, but this one feels like it just—it's—it's it's a continuation of everything we know about Klingons from the movies that we've been name-checking, like you know, uh Star Trek Three and Four, and and the previous episodes with Worf, and then as you're saying, the future. Like it is—it's a part of this kind of saga between the Federation and the Klingon, and it's—it's it's a really vital and important part of it. We get so many guest stars, like you know, like you said, like there's just—it's—it's it's chock full of of characters that we know and love that we didn't get a whole bunch of, uh, even. Just having Denise Crosby come back and, and, and have her, you know, not necessarily this character, but like the idea of Tasha Yar having more echoes and importance within the Star Trek canon is correcting the wrongs of season one, as well as, uh, you know, uh, how those Klingons were portrayed back then. So it does a lot, a lot really good. I found myself researching more about the Klingon history. Uh, and storyline because there wasn't a lot there. So in some ways, that's a little bit of a, a discount for me. Uh, that's why I did eight and a half, not nine or, or higher. But it, it what it does well is make me interested in those nuances and 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 uh, the storytelling of the lore behind uh, everything that's going on there. So I know you can't fade everything in, in 45 minutes. And uh, I, it made me want to, to, to educate myself more on the Klingons uh, back then when I was a kid. And even now, I'm still... Uh, fascinated by how this government works and uh, whether or not we're going to see war return. turn. It's good stuff.
0: Yeah. I, I tend to do that with kind of all the genre stuff I consume that, that has a wider universe than what I'm consuming right now. And I find myself on Wikipedia basically every time I'm <laughs> watching an episode of this before I talk to y'all, it's uh, kind of joyous to get some of the plot that I never got into because I never read the books and did you know any of that right? stuff. So agreed, it's super neat. Kate, it's your turn. What do you think? We got an eight and a half and a nine.
1: I'm gonna give it nine level fourteens. <laughs> Let that sink in. I just love this episode. And I for all of the reasons that have been mentioned, I love the fact that this is the kind of patient storytelling that you don't always see. Anymore, and didn't necessarily see back then either, where this was a story that was begun, you know, a season before, in terms of setting up all of the patient uh, understory that we need. So I love a great uh, send off that celebrates the patience of the viewers, right? That celebrates the fact that you've been here long enough that you know what's happening. Uh, whereas I still think it's accessible if, if this is one of the episodes that you know you stumble upon. I think they do, although, as has been said, there's not a lot of digging into the lore or the backstory of all of the Klingon factions. But I do think they do a good of enough uh, job of setting up this particular story that it stands alone fairly well. But how much better does it stand with those previous episodes? where we get to know these characters and we get introduced to two, uh, actually three brand new characters who just by association to the Duras that we knew, gain they gain a foreboding status just for their ancestry, right? And they do such a lovely job of crafting those characters and I look forward to seeing them again. So yeah, I'm going to give it nine. I like it. I like it a lot.
0: <laughs> well, I think that's fantastic. I, I had one all picked out, but it was too similar to Kate's, and Kate's was better, as always. So I have chosen a new one. And we're going to go with 10- uh, Amazing fingernails across the scalp of Captain Jean-Luc Picard. (laughs) I think this is in my pantheon of the very best episodes of this series. It's up there for me with Tin Man and a couple other absolute favorites. Um, I'm very excited to talk about part two next time we all get to chat together. You've all explained very well why I love this episode. I you know, it's it's got most of my very favorite guest stars, even though it doesn't feature a lot of my favorite um uh regular cast members. Um, you know, I'm I love the Klingon episodes. I I think um whichever portly gentleman is in charge of the council from time to time is always fantastic. The uh, Duress sisters are among my favorite uh, characters ever created for television, uh, ever, in any uh, genre, in any series. They are incredible. Um, I love Gowron. I love Guinan. Uh Everything about this episode makes me happy from what Greg was saying about the... Uh, Uh, internal kind of politics of the Klingon empire and the history of its realities with the federation and the romulans like all of it's touched on uh like kate says they do a good job of setting up the uh, uh, exposition from earlier stuff so you can follow along even if you don't know the nuts and bolts of it and uh whatever jimmy said too um, <laughs> I'd get more into that but you know I wet my pants while he was talking so it's it's really time to bring all this to a close uh, for all of us <laughs> it's kind of a superpower um, we had a ball with season 4 and we're excited to come back to you with season 5 just around the corner to be continued as they say yeah,
2: and it's important to note that we might have a few weeks of non-publishing for a little while as we t- be continued over the course of the summer, but we'll be back. Redemption 2. Redemption 2. <laughs> that was Bob Marley, could you tell? <laughs> His pants are really wet. <laughs> Thank you so much for riding along with us on this episode of Reengage. Next week we continue our mission with the next episode of the fourth season of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Follow Reengage on Twitter at reengage_tng for updates when episodes are published and some other stuff. You can also follow our various cultural bridge crew on social media. Kit Yeager is at Yeagerlicious. Eric Gratton is at Eric Falls Down. Greg Tito is at Greg Tito on Twitter and at Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. Jimmy G is at the Jimmy G on Instagram. Re-Engage is edited by Greg Tito. Logo artwork by Mojo Jojo 97 on Twitter. The music is by Ryan Marth. Thank you so much for listening. Stand by now for The Traveler to Re-Engage.